What up, world? I'm your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond, and this is Lockdown Blazers. We're going to Game 7, y'all. The Blazers beat the Denver Nuggets 119-108 in Game 6 to stave off elimination and force a winner-take-all Game 7 Sunday at the Pepsi Center. The can, as I have taken to calling it since I learned that nickname. So let's talk about how they got there. First two segments, we'll talk all about Game 6. Part 3, the Trey spot. Talk a little bit about Game 7. It's going to be the biggest basketball game the Blazers have played in two decades. Should be pretty fun. But let's start where we usually do, and that's with the game that happened this evening at the Moda Center. This one looked like it might get out of hand early. Uh, I think there's like this sort of, I don't know if it's a cliche or if it's just like a, a a trope, but this idea that in these elimination games, if you're, uh, if you're in trouble, that you have to, you have to set the tone early, that you got to have a tone setting type start, blah, blah, blah. The Blazers didn't really set the tone early. They were down 10 in the first quarter. They didn't play particularly well, I didn't think, in that first quarter. Uh, They had a chance at the end of that quarter to be down four, only they clanged two free throws and then gave up a last-second bucket, down eight, heading into the second period. And you just kind of felt, after watching the way Game 5 played out, that, you know what, the Nuggets are better, and this is how this season is going to end, because the Nuggets are better than the Blazers. And I don't really, I don't mean that as like an insult or anything. I just, that was the vibe from where I was. And I felt like that was the vibe in kind of an anxious Moda Center. 20,000 strong kind of thinking, oh man, oh man, I can't believe this is how this season ends. But lucky for them, I guess, uh, it wasn't how the season ended. The Blazers were fantastic in that second quarter behind, uh, A really nice punch from Rodney Hood. He had a great first half, kind of kept the Blazers in the game. Uh, Through the first five minutes, Dame and CJ were combined 0 for 2, or 0 for 5. Dame was 0 for 2, CJ 0 for 3. I've talked about it a million times, and I still think it. Stars got to be stars in the playoffs. But Rodney Hood came in and was really good. He had 14 of his playoff career high, 25. But it wasn't just it wasn't just the numbers. It was how he got it. He just it, it was one of those Rodney Hood, give me the ball in isolation. I'm gonna go score all you know all his early buckets. He just he he had a bucket on the block, spinning and getting to his left hand. Uh, he had another little kind of d- deeper post up where he got free in the lane. He hit a, he hit a three. Uh, you know he was before Damon CJ got going. He was the key. Uh, and I want to talk a little bit in the second segment about what Terry Stotts did in this game. Uh, I think he was. I think he made some uh, after he he kind of got banged on by the fan base and and some media members after Game Five. Uh, maybe rightfully so. For me, it's weird to to say that the coach screwed up in a in a blowout um, because it seems like the players screwed up in the blowout. Uh, but I totally understand the criticism, and honestly, I think some of it was fair, and and he changed things up. But I'll talk about that. Second segment. I'm getting ahead of myself. I want to talk about the players here first. So Rodney Hood was fantastic. And the Blazers rolled maybe a little longer than they usually do with a bench group that kept them afloat. Zach Collins came in and 
his numbers probably don't suggest it, but he had a really nice first half. Eight points, three, re- three rebounds, two blocks in that first half. He missed some makeable shots, two threes, uh, both of which were open and he could have hit. Uh, missed another bucket inside that he could have scored. But his energy, his just his effort uh, was really valuable. He, he played next to Ennis Cantor in that first half, and he was really good. Cantor, another kind of so-so night from him, and uh, didn't play much down the stretch. But Hood was fantastic. Blazers took a four-point lead into the third quarter. And the third quarter has been kind of where the Blazers have lost the the last two games. Game four, just a putrid 14-point fourth quarter that looked like it might cost them the series. Game five, you know, down 18 heading into that third quarter. They ended up down 31. That is not the direction you want to go. But Thursday night with their season on the line, Damian Lillard, who during the regular season was the second leading scorer in the NBA, averaging 9.5 points per game in third quarters, looked like the dominant Damian Lillard who we had been waiting to see. This was a star's moment for Dame. He had 17 of the Blazers' 29. He was 6 of 10 from the floor in the third. He had 3 of 6 threes. He was pulling up from deep. He was... uh, sort of manipulating that pick and roll, either splitting it and getting little uh, 19-foot mid-rangers or getting all the way to the rack. This was the the Damien Lode from the Oklahoma City series. This was the best player on the floor type Dame. And this is what I had kind of been calling for him. I, You know, he hadn't had this sort of capital B bad game in this series, but he hadn't been sort of superstar, I'm clearly the best player on the floor, I'm going to drag my team to a win type player. He was in that third quarter. And the Nuggets had a chance to come back in that fourth quarter because Damian Lillard, fresh off a a 72 point, or 72, fresh off a 17 point outburst in that third, sat for the first three minutes of the fourth quarter. Then he sat for another minute. Then he sat for another minute. And he came in with like six minutes left in the game. And that felt like the time when the Blazers were definitely going to lose. Or maybe if not definitely going to lose, at least squander the lead they'd built. We've seen this so many times where the Blazers, you know, there's three minutes where Dame sits out and it's a nightmare. So the Blazers are up seven entering the fourth quarter. And by the time Dame comes back in, The lead has grown to 14. They outscored the Nuggets by seven points with him on the bench in the most crucial quarter of their season. This was Rodney Hood being fantastic. Seth Curry hit a huge three. Zach Collins was everywhere, uh, (laughs) committing fouls, um, hilariously in the middle of a fracas. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about that kerfuffle. Uh, So... Zach Collins drew a charge on Nikola Jokic. Uh, Collins guarded Jokic a lot down the stretch. Again, we'll talk about adjustments in the second segment. Bear with me. But Zach Collins draws a uh, draws a charge on Jokic. It was an incredible flop by Zach. It was just a super flop. Um, sometimes you, you got a super flop and hope that you get it. He gets it. He ends up on the ground. Seth Curry goes to pick him up. Seth Curry is still in the game here with like seven minutes left of the fourth quarter. Uh, but he kind of bumps Will Barton when he's going to pick... Uh, Zach up off the ground. Will Barton doesn't like it. He two-hand shoves Seth Curry. Seth Curry just gives him a stare down like, 
are you really going to shove me? And kind of looks at the ref like, is he, is he really going to shove me? And then uh, obviously a bunch of players run over as they do. And Will Barton pokes Seth Curry in the eye uh, in this fracas, like kind of like putting a finger in his face type thing. I don't think it was intentional, like uh, some like Three Stooges type act. I think he was trying to do the like put your finger in his face thing and it just went a little too far and he pokes Seth Curry in the eye. But then, of course, everyone gets into it. Zach Collins comes up off the floor, as a Zach Collins will do, and starts shoving everybody. Uh, after the game, Zach Collins says he did not see what happened. He just got up and started pushing people away from his teammates. If that is not the most Zach Collins thing there could be, I don't know what is. Zach Collins, on the ground, sees beef, stands up in the middle of the beef, and starts shoving people. He'll ask questions later. That's my that Zach. That's why Zach Collins is... Uh, Easily a fan favorite because my man will just stand up and push people as needed. He got a tech. Seth Curry got a tech. Will Barton got a tech. Torrey Craig got a tech for his involvement in the, in the fray. And what Torrey Craig basically did was run in there and kind of get choke pushed by Evan Turner. Torrey Craig didn't, you know, rough tech for my man, but hey, it happens. But that group, and I think that that fray, why I want to talk about, why I, I pause to talk about that. One, because it's extremely fun. And Seth Curry said after the game that uh, that uh, Denver has some sassy players over there, and that was a sassy thing for Will Barton to do, and that there's some front runners. Now, sassy is an insult that I did not see coming from this game, but I extremely support it. So uh, next time someone does something that you don't like, particularly if it is physical in nature, tell them that they're being sassy. But the point of telling that story, other than the incredible anecdotes, is that that group just had a ton of fight. That was the sort of juice that the Blazers needed. That's how you win these games, is that CJ was great. Dame was fantastic, particularly in the third quarter. Rodney Hood, a career-high 25, he was really good. And then all the little bit parts were really useful. Zach Collins, really good. Seth Curry, crucial minutes. Evan Turner, one of the great stat lines you'll see, did not attempt a shot. Seven rebounds, seven assists. Like, was... Honestly, Turner was in the lineup uh, in the first half when the Blazers were kind of doing okay, so I don't want to say that he was um, super bad in the first half, but he didn't appear to be playing particularly well. And then he ended up closing the game Seven boards, seven dimes, one turnover in 19 minutes. He just had a really nice night. This was just a, a surprisingly solid night that kind of came out of nowhere from Turner. And he was a, he was sort of a, a valuable add-on late in the game. So that's how you get to a game seven. You hold Jokic to just a cool 29, 12, and 8. He was fantastic. Jamal Murray, 7 for 20, though. Not super efficient, even though he finished with 24, 10 boards, and 5 assists. Paul Millsap, 4 of 15. He didn't kill the Blazers. You know, a rough shooting night. And the Nuggets bench was awful. The Blazers bench vastly outplayed them. Hood aside, uh, you know, Collins, 14 and 5 blocks. He outplayed basically the whole, uh, more production than the whole Nuggets bench on his own, even if you take out Rodney's minutes. So that's how we got to a Game 7. I want to talk about the man pulling the strings for the Blazers because I thought Terry Stotts had his best game of the series in this game. So that's what we'll do a little bit when we get back in the second segment. But first, I want to tell you all about 
ZipRecruiter. Hiring is a challenge, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. ZipRecruiter is just a great job source. It sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans through thousands of resumes and finds people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. It's 24 hours for those of you counting at home. So right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, so for the opening... Five minutes of the game, five minutes and 16 seconds before the Blazers were forced to call a timeout, kind of getting punked by the Denver Nuggets. The Blazers did what they'd done in game five that didn't work particularly well. They put out Farouk Aminu on Nikola Jokic. Uh, that meant Ennis Cantor would guard Paul Millsap. Mo Harkless stayed on Jamal Murray. And for that opening five minutes of the game, they got crushed. I asked Terry after the game why he went away from it. He said it didn't work very well. He was right. So they abandoned that. They put Cantor back on Jokic. And listen, they didn't really slow down Jokic. He was 10 of 15 from the floor, had 29 points. But this was a... They slowed down the rest of the Nuggets. The sort of repercussions that follow with putting Aminu there and, and, and like making other guys play out of position. And, and Aminu, I think, struggles a little bit on the boards. I think he guards Nurkic, or, uh, Jokic okay. But he doesn't, um, he can't rebound nearly as well against him. He just gives up too much size in there, too much strength. Allows for Jokic to bully him on the boards. And it puts Cancer in an awful spot guarding Paul Millsap. So Terry Stotts went away from that. And he brought in Zach Collins to guard Millsap. And that was the best adjustment that he had made in that first half. He ditched Mo Harkless and and... Uh, Al Farouk Aminu after about nine minutes each and just said, Rodney Hood, you're going to play small forward. Zach Collins, you're going to play power forward. This is the best group. Dame, CJ, Rodney, Zach, and Ennis. And so that's what he rolled with. And I thought that was a, I thought that was a, a crucial move by Stotts because the tinkering that he had done in game five got them blown out. He stuck with it because that's kind of who he is. He sticks with things. He wants to, you know, see... He wants to be totally convinced that a thing doesn't work or does work. He got enough data in this one after five minutes. He gave up on it, made a, made a crucial in-game adjustment. I thought that was really valuable. Then in the second half, I think uh, people were calling for, uh, you know, well, why, why not start Hood and, uh, and Collins? And by people, I just mean like some people grumbling on uh, press row. But it made sense that he wouldn't necessarily go to that 
group right away because he wanted to close with that group. And if you're going to play guys the final 18 minutes of the game, that's a lot easier than playing them the final 24 minutes of the game. You kind of needed to steal six minutes. I wasn't surprised to steal him, see him steal those first six minutes. But then as I alluded to before, uh, Terry went back to Evan Turner. I didn't think he would go back to Evan Turner. I kind of thought he would go only, go only eight deep. Because I thought Damian Lillard was going to likely play the whole second half. But Dame started the fourth quarter on the bench. CJ got a rest late in the third quarter. And so then he opened up the the fourth quarter with Seth Curry, CJ McCollum, Rodney Hood, Evan Turner at power forward checking Paul Millsap. I mean, not the whole time. Millsap uh, wasn't out there every minute of the fourth quarter, but, but down the stretch he was. And then just straight up Zach Collins at the five spot against Jokic. Now, I said before the series that Collins was going to have trouble against Jokic because he's just not strong enough. And I certainly think that in a one-on-one matchup, that's the case. But he played with a type of energy that was able to offset some of his strength problems. He didn't get beat on the boards. The Blazers made a much more concerted effort after kind of getting crushed early on to be a better defensive rebounding team, something that's totally killed them. And then when Dame came back, once they had grown that lead to 14 and they just kind of needed to hold on over the final six minutes, Stotts didn't go back to Cantor. He rolled with Evan Turner at power forward, with Zach Collins at center, with Rodney Hood playing on the wing. Hood was fantastic. There was no way he was leaving. There was almost no chance that Collins was leaving. He had been that good. It's just the question was, were you going to go back to Cantor? I don't think Stotts loves that collins Cantor pairing so much. Um, I think he'll lean on it when he can, uh, particularly when it's when Mason Plumlee's in the game and they, there's like one less offensive player for them to deal with because Plumlee just doesn't have a ton of offense. So he rolled with Zach Collins. This was, this was Stotts doing his most Stotsy type thing. He started the game with a stubborn lineup that he likes but didn't work. And then late in the game, he rolled with a group kind of based on feel more than based on game plan because he liked the way it looked. That's just who Terry is as a coach. I thought if this game had ended tonight, people were going to come really come down hard on him, say that he got outcoached in this series, because I think Mike Malone's done a great job. I've been really impressed with Malone. Um, I watched the Nuggets a ton over the last couple of years, and I'll be honest, I was not a huge Mike Malone fan. I didn't think he was a great coach. I, I've gained a ton of respect from this series. I think he's been really good. And I thought, without a performance like this, or without some sort of these little tweaks that Terry made, these subtle, these subtle tweaks and these adjustments, that the fan base and, and frankly, my ilk from the media was going to come down hard on him. Say so he got outcoached again. Just like in the in New Orleans Pelican series. But he pulled the right strings tonight. The question is, can the Blazers do it in Denver? That's what I want to talk about in the third segment. Game seven is... I mean, it's fun. These are all fun. So let's get... When we come back, let's talk about the fun that's going to happen on Sunday. All right, welcome back. Still locked on Blazers. Still Mike Richmond. Blazers haven't played this deep into the playoffs since the year 2000. It's been a long time. That drought can now buy cigarettes and join the Marines. That's like a 19-year-old joke, guys. In case you know, it's, it's late at night. Sorry. 
But bad jokes aside, this is the biggest game the Blazers have played in basically 20 years. And in the back hallway after the game, I saw the guy who wants to play in it more than probably anyone in the world. And when the Blazers leave Saturday afternoon and get on a plane and head to Denver, he's not going to be with them. Talk about Yusuf Nurkic. Nurk has become a sort of second-half staple for the Blazers. He comes out in the third quarter, watches the second half from the bench, wears some sort of incendiary t-shirt, cheers on the Blazers, holds his hand to, cups his hand to his ear, pumps up the crowd. And tonight, Yusuf Nurkic basically told anyone that, that would listen that he would love to be out there. He told Terry Stotts, he told the assistant coaches, he told one of the Blazers' security guys, and he told Damian Lillard. He said, I would go out there and break my leg again, get hurt again. Dame said, this dude is crazy. I wrote this uh, about this on NBCSports.com slash Northwest. Check that story out. I got to talk with Nurk in the back hallway. It was, um, I don't know if enlightening is the right word, but it, it was an interesting look into a guy who he didn't want to talk about his health. He didn't really want to talk about his trolling t-shirts, but he did want to talk about his teammates and how much this run means to him and how difficult it has been to be a fan, to be reduced to a fan. So check that story out. In the NBA, roughly, in the NBA playoffs, roughly, home teams win games win game seven about 80% of the time. It is rare for teams to go on the road and win a game seven. The last time the Blazers were in the Pepsi Center, they got shelled. They played one of their worst games in six weeks. They looked bad. But I think there's reason to be hopeful. One, I think the Blazers found some things that work uh, with with Zach Collins, specifically on, on giving him more time on Paul Millsap. I don't know if Evan is going to play a bunch in Game 7. It wouldn't surprise me if Evan plays 10 minutes in Game 7 or 8 minutes or something. Like this was kind of, like I said, Stotts was coaching by feel. He had a good feel with Evan. Even though he, you know, he was he seven points or seven rebounds, seven assists. Like he, there were moments out there when, when, when Evan didn't look like the savior. He just had three really nice kickouts, kind of driving into the paint, refusing to shoot, finding his teammates. But I think the other tweaks are valuable. I think playing Rodney Hood, just giving Rodney Hood Basically, using Mo Harkless and Alfredo Camino as bench players, giving them their 17 minutes, but having them just start, play the first you know eight and a half minutes of each half, and then going with a group that fits better. I think that's a tweak that can stay. I think that's a reason to to be. I think the Blazers discovered something that they can they can work with. Now the Nuggets are probably going to shoot better. Paul Millsap probably going to shoot better. Jamal Murray probably going to shoot better. There's a chance that someone off the bench, Will Barton was horrific tonight. There's a chance that he plays like he did in games four and game five. The Nuggets can play better than they did on Thursday. But uh, sort of the the winner-take-all type games, they can be decided by just a singular player. And I think we've been kind of waiting for Dame to have his explosion. And tonight... Uh, although his final numbers maybe don't suggest that he was efficient as he was, uh, before he kind of cooled off late, he was over 50% from the field and over 50% from three. He finished 11 for 23, 6 of 13 from deep. 
but singular stars, a singular entity can win a game seven straight up. And from where I sit, I feel more comfortable with Damian Lillard being the guy to drag a team across the finish line over Nikola Jokic. And that's no shot to Jokic. He has been fantastic in this series. I guess we're supposed to wait for him to play like it's his first playoffs. Instead, he just does what he does. Dude kills people at two miles an hour. But I think singular stars can decide a game that's, you know, or a series that comes down to just 48 minutes. And I think Dame's skill set and his attitude and kind of the, and by attitude, I mean like a, like approach, hands-on approach, can carry a team maybe a hair better than, than Jokic's style can. He's more egalitarian. He'll pass because it's the right pass to make. Always, always, always. Dame will take a 35-foot FU to, you know, take the energy out of a building and try to, try to you know, destroy a team with five minutes left. And then he'll do it again with one minute left. I think those are reasons to be hopeful. Because the Blazers found some tweaks that work because they probably have the best singular star in the series. But... Home court advantage is real. I don't know if it's, you know, four points difference, but I know the Blazers team that we saw on Tuesday night looked like a wreck. They looked like a team headed for the end of their season. That's why a lot of people I spoke to prior to the game, mostly media members, thought this was the end of the Blazers' season. Momentum is uh, a a thing that does not exist in sports. But it is interesting to think if the confidence the Blazers found in this game, they can carry over to Game 7. Rodney Hood isn't going to play as well as he did. Uh, I think numbers-wise, Zach Collins probably won't end up with, you know, 14 and 5 blocks. But the Blazers discovered some things that can work. They've got two guards who are kind of back on track. I didn't talk like at all about CJ McCollum in this game, and he had 30 points. Like, he just had a really nice game. I didn't happen to mention him. He was on the floor with that bench group. Game-changing fourth quarter. So maybe that confidence carries over and we're talking about a Western Conference Finals on Sunday. Maybe it doesn't, and we're talking about a really nice season that if I told you the Blazers get to a Game 7 of the second round of the playoffs... In October, you probably would have said, great, I'll take it. Sounds like a lot of fun. Either way, Sunday is the biggest game in 20 years. I've only lived in Portland for about 13 years. Covered the Blazers for five seasons. Never been this far in the playoffs. I never attended a uh, second round game six. I attended a couple game fives. This is going to be a fun one on Sunday. I really appreciate you guys listening. Uh, tell your friends about Lockdown Blazers. They can find this podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. I really appreciate all y'all listening. Come back again soon. We'll talk Sunday.